This episode of Comics for Fun and Profit is brought to you by Threadless. More importantly, the Comics Fun Profit shop on Threadless at comicsfunprofit.threadless.com where you can find, oh, about half a dozen different designs, plenty of Comics for Fun and Profit themed merch. If you just want a t-shirt, you're good. And if you want sweatshirts or other swaggy items, man, you can get anything. Phone cases, shower curtains. It runs the gamut. Skateboards, I think. <laughs> so check that out. Uh, we've already sold several. We're excited about the fact that the folks that want to support us in this way are able to and uh, wear our merch out into in the real world. That's pretty exciting stuff. So... Uh, yeah, get your comics for fun and profit, branded items at comicsfunprofit.threadless.com. Aloha, it's Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing writer Chelsea Banning. She is here to promote her book of Crowns and Legends. It came out last year in August of, um yeah, last year, August of, um, 2022. You can pick up a copy either through Chelsea's website, chelseabanning.com, um, and that's where she has links to, you know, Amazon. Um, also, the, um, also um, a small bookshop, uh, pretty pretty good books, and also you can also get it um, ebooks as well. You can, and also too, you can order through your local um, bookstore, or you can borrow a copy from your from your local library. So, Chelsea, welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am great. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Now, um, listeners, um, now, of Crowns and Legends, and Chelsea, please correct me if I'm wrong, is Chelsea's first book. Now, this book is about um, King Arthur, about King, uh, it's basically a story about King Arthur's um, two um, twin children. Chelsea, like I said, please, and listeners, please forgive me. I'm, I may butcher their names. Um, this, um, King Arthur's son's name is Anwil, mm -hmm. and the daughter's name is um, Ariadne Pendragon. Did I pronounce that name correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes, Ariadne. Okay. Yep. Okay. Now, and also, too, the book also, um, now, I've only read the first three chapters of the book. Um, and so, basically, it's... Um, it's about these twins. Um, basically, they're already in their early twenties, if I remember correctly, right? Correct. They're, yes. So now you know, um, and what it is is their struggles of. Um, part of it is the struggles of them coming out of the shadows of you know of their um, famous father, and you know how they want to be their own person, while facing a looming well, while facing a couple things. First off, a very good celebration. Of upcoming wedding, but also looming war that is coming to Camelot. Mm -hmm. uh, did I get that correct, or did you want to add anything to that? No, you got that correct. It's it's their struggle of becoming adults in the shadow of King Arthur, and how you deal with having a parent so legendary yes. as that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now, um, Chelsea, I'm just going to ask. Um, do you have any other works that you've done before this? Like, did you contribute short stories to an anthology or anything else like that? No, I have a bunch of flash fictions and stuff written, but I've never like published them anywhere. They're just all hidden in a document. <laughs> oh, okay. No, but, but hopefully, I, I'm not being sarcastic, but maybe one day you'll go back and 
you know, look at them and go, hey, maybe I can make this into an anthology. Yeah, I actually would love to do a little anthology of flash fictions. I love writing flash fiction. I'm going to ask you, um, because please forgive me, this is a dumb question. Can you tell me, because I don't know, what what is a flash fiction? What, what is, you know? Yeah, so um, a flash fiction is a snippet of a story. It's usually only like a couple of pages long. It's oh, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a scene from a story that has a beginning, middle, and end, yes. where you can understand what's going on in that scene, mm-hmm. but you don't need the whole the whole book. Um, yes. Like one of my flash fictions is um, it's like maybe two and a half pages long about um, a little girl playing violin, and it ends with um, and her mother dies of cancer, and it ends with her playing the violin at like this big concert. Um, so it's just like a very, very short snippet story, kind of almost like, a like a monologue in a movie almost mm-hmm. right. or like a montage in a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, th- thank you very much. Now, listeners, before we begin the interview, you know, um, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm going to have Chelsea basically tell you, have her tell you guys her story of how she and her book got into the national spotlight. So- oh gosh. Uh so it was it was a viral tweet that I did not expect anyone to see. <laughs> I had a book signing at Pretty Good Books in Ashtabula, Ohio, and it was just a perfect storm of the weather was really bad mm-hmm. and everyone was getting sick. So it was the beginning of December, oh. so you know, flu season. Um and only two people showed up. And I was feeling kind of bummed out about it and decided to make a tweet and talk to some of the other writers that Uh I follow on Twitter. And I tweeted it at like 830 in the morning. And then I went about my day and came back that evening to an explosion. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was absolutely insane. Like. I don't even know who started it, how Mm -hmm. it started, because I had been I hadn't checked it for hours, like the whole day. It was like six or seven o'clock at night Uh when I checked it and it was it had blown up. I couldn't even like keep up with all the notifications. (laughs) Now, I'm going to say, now, I just want to add a little bit of correction now, um, because your book signing was at Pretty Good Books. Mm -hmm. Um, That was your very first book signing ever in your career right correct yes okay we just i just want to make that clear and also too yeah correct me if i'm wrong but pretty good books what was it they extended their hours beyond um opening or they kind of opened it just especially for you something like i remember reading something about that yeah so they used they were operating on um appointment only hours oh okay. so they yeah so they opened the store up to the public that day oh, for nice. the book that signing was, yeah that was really nice that's yeah nice. Yeah, because they had, I had saw that they had done a book signing before with an, another local author, Raven White. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, that's cool. I like that bookstore. I've been to that bookstore before because yeah. it's in my husband's hometown. And I was, and so I sent him an email saying, hey, can I do a book signing too? That would be pretty cool. And they were like, yeah, come on down. Oh, that's so, nice. That is yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. Now, you, like you said, you already, there was like a, you know, you sent this tweet out into literally in the universe you didn't think it was yeah. to respond and boom all of and we're not just talking about anonymous people we're talking about who did you get tweets from because i kind of oh know gosh. who you had <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I remember seeing Robin Hobb, Rebecca Mackay, uh, Minjin Lee, um, uh, Bridget Kemmerer, and I saw a bunch of um, authors that I knew. Yes. And then it was actually later. It was like a day later that Stephen okay. King replied. Um, and then uh, Henry Winkler mm-hmm. tweeted about it. And then Sean Cassidy <laughs> replied. Oh. Yeah, Sean Cassidy. Sean Cassidy. Yeah. <laughs> My mom was very excited about that one. Um, uh, Margaret Atwood, Neil yeah. Gaiman. Yeah, uh, he was he was a little later to it as well. Uh, Jody Pickolt, um, Joanne Harris, um, and there was there was so many authors. Like I I actually went back about a week ago to look through it and found yeah. even more authors. I think I can't remember one of the Green Brothers. I can't remember if it was John or Hank uh-huh. <laughs> replied. Um, there was so many authors, and like and sometimes like they'll get lost within the sea of blue check marks because not yeah. all of them have that little blue check mark. Yeah. So like I miss it and then like I'll go through it and I'm like, oh I can't believe I missed this person and then this person and yeah. then this person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was so many authors and so many stories. Like I remember one story. Mm-hmm. So that the only the only uh person that came to their signing was a little chicken that wandered into the store. <laughs> <laughs> Someone had a cat, you know, so <laughs> there was a lot of fun stories. So um it was fun. I'm going to point out Neil Gaiman because if I remember correctly, Neil Gaiman is one of your your favorite authors. Yes. Do you remember what his story was? Because I kind of know what he, I saw his tweet to you. Yeah, he said he, I did better than a signing he and Terry Pratchett did, which had zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think they. I think he said it was for Good Omens. Yeah. So probably oh when it first came out. Oh my God! And already he's yeah. been established. Him and Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Have been established. Yeah. Hmm. But I have to say, yeah. I'm going to add, because I also love it where I think, I think they said like after an hour and nobody was there, they kind of turned to the bookstore owner because there was a bar next door going, hey, yeah. if anyone wants a signing, we're next door, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I would have just I mean, gone hey, half a year with them, you know? I know, me too. Me too. That would have been, that would have been the best, having like a drink with Neil Gaiman. That would have been my favorite. Oh, yes. Um, also too, um. You appeared on the Cl- Kelly Clarkson show. I, I mm-hmm. saw that. I saw that segment. Yeah. That was great. That yeah. was so fun. Everyone was so so nice. Like you hear you hear all these horror stories about like Hollywood talk shows and stuff, and like yes. people can be really snooty, but everyone was so sweet and so excited, and they just all loved working for Kelly, and everyone mm-hmm. was so nice. It was it was so fun. Oh, that was great. And then also too. Um, what was really nice because I heard, listened to one of your um, previous interviews. Um, an author named Joanne Harris. Now, correct me yes. if I'm wrong. She offered some advice to you. That was that's pretty nice. She did. She actually um, she follows me now on Twitter, and we talk back and forth now. Um, she offered me some really great advice about agents because I had quite a few agents reach out, uh-huh. and I eventually decided to try to sell this book of Crowns and Legends to a publisher because. It got really big. Yeah. Um, and I had about six or seven foreign presses reach out. Like I had a foreign press from like Poland, Germany, France. Yeah. I had uh-huh. Penguin Random House Spain reach out. So I'm like, I think I need an agent. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so she was really, really great with advice. Uh, Bridget Kemmerer messaged me some advice as well. Um, Joanne Harris is very sweet. Um, mm-hmm. Very sweet. Very supportive of writers. So yes. it's it's 
it's been great. Um, now, um, I'm going to ask you a very dumb question. Ever since your tweet <laughs> went out, how have sales, sales and reviews been on the book ever since then? You know? uh, great. Um, I haven't checked in a while uh, because I have sales kind of split everywhere. Uh -huh. um, but the last time I checked, I think it was around 9,000 sales That's between good. Yeah. like online mm -hmm. Overall, like online, I've done a couple in-person events and stuff. Yes, so mm -hmm. I think it was close to about 9,000. Um, I've got about 200 reviews on Amazon, which is great. I've got, okay. I've got almost 300 ratings, I think on Goodreads. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't check. I don't look at reviews very often, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but every once in a while, some of my friends will send me like a five or four star review. They're like, look at this review. It's really great. And I'm like, yay. Wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to accidentally stumble on any one star. Oh, no, yeah, no, I, 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 I understand. Um, um, now, listeners, the reason, you know, I read Chelsea's story, you know, um, and the reason I asked Chelsea to be on the show is because, it, like, you know, her book, her book basically focused, her book, like so many stories of King Arthur and Camelot are a part of pop culture, you know, like, I mean, we're talking, we're going back to 1960, the Broadway musical Camelot with Richard Burton, um, mm -hmm. Robert Lay, um, Julie Andrews, you know, yeah. to, you know, one of my favorite movies, Excalibur from 1981 with Helen Mirren. Uh -huh. um, small, I think these were like their first, probably one of their first roles were like Liam Neeson was in there. I was surprised to see him in that. Yeah. A, a very young Patrick Stewart. You know, yeah. you can definitely tell it's Patrick Stewart. Yeah. You know, I, I, we're not going to go any more than that, okay? <laughs> or like the TV series, uh, miniseries, Merlin in 1990. Yes. Sam That's Neal. my favorite. Uh, I've heard, I've heard good things. That I mean, is, oh, I have the DVD. Uh, it is okay. so, oh, it's beautiful. It won a ton of awards and I feel like people forgot about it. But, and like the cast is stacked. You have uh, Lena Headey, who is Cersei from Game of Thrones. Yes. Her, yeah. She's Guinevere. You have Martin Short, who plays um, this like shape shifting, uh, like goblin kind of character. Uh -huh. So of course they just let him have at it, which is great. Um, Miranda Richardson plays Queen Mab and the Lady of the Lake. Um, you have Isabel Rossellini. Yes. Uh, it's Sam Neill as Merlin, and my you if you read the book and if you've watched this miniseries, you could tell that my Merlin is very much inspired by Sam Neill. Okay. <laughs> um. Also, too, and continue on, like, also, too, like, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade touches upon mm -hmm. Paul, yep. uh, Arthur legend. Mm -hmm. And also, too, we're looking at comics, too, that ranges from Camelot 3000 back in the mm -hmm. mid-80s by Michael W. Barr and Brian Bolin, and more recently, Once in Future by Karen Gillian and Dan Mora. Mm -hmm. So before we start jumping into the interview, you know, I want to let listeners know that I did get some information from, you know, the... Um, podcast the bs xoxo podcast i came out on january 29th of 2023 mm -hmm. and the youtube podcast i nerdiest that came out on january 17th of 2023 yeah. so um listeners if you guys get a chance please check out um those um um those interviews um those podcasts that interviewed chelsea you know they're very good they're really yeah those were a lot of fun to do <laughs> all right so chelsea i'm gonna ask you so Let's start off. Where can listeners follow you on social media? Um, I'm mostly present on TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. 
I do have an Instagram. Um, I'm not on it that much anymore. Um, but yeah, those three, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, TikTok are where I, I give the most updates about my writing. Oh, okay, great. Um, and then Chelsea, I'm just going to start, you know, and may I ask for our listeners, please, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where did you grow up? You know, what got you to read? You know, what did you start reading? Books, comic books, magazines, you know. Yeah, so I grew up uh, in Warren, Ohio. Um, and I I didn't, honestly, I didn't read much <laughs> until fifth grade when yeah. we had an indoor recess because it was raining. And my teacher's like, hey, there's this new book series that's popular. It's called Harry Potter. Let's read it. <laughs> so I was 11. And I think the first two or three were out at the time. Uh-huh. Um, cause I remember waiting for the fourth book. Um, and I thought it was so fun cause she was very animated and reading it. And I remember like, we just got the biggest kick out of her doing Hagrid's accent. Um, and I fell in love with reading then and yeah. it, I just couldn't, I like, couldn't get enough of it. Cause before, like, I remember doing this book report on the book black beauty and it left me so sad and like, I don't want to read again. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I was like, so sad. I was like, I don't want to do this. And I didn't really know that like fantasy books kind of existed. Um, So when I read Harry Potter and I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Um, I just, I couldn't, I could not get enough of it. And then in 11th grade is when we did a big King Arthur project. Uh Um, And then I, that's when I fell in love with the King Arthur story. And not because of the story itself, but because of our project and how we kind of created the characters. Cause we kind of, brought them a little more to life and kind of made them a little more relatable because we did like gossip magazines and video Uh interviews you know we kind of let like it was like um uh uh hollywood news kind of Uh oh no the new scandal is lancelot and guinevere you know (laughs) so it it made the story so much more relatable because the more Arthur, if you read it's boring you know Uh like it's 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 hard to read through because it's just ridiculous um, and like, and it's funny because like a lot of the King Arthur stories, like their choices don't make any sense to a modern audience. So it's mm-hmm. like, what is even happening here? It's just chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, and then that's when I started to find out that there were like retellings. Um, so I found a lot of YA retellings, um, like Song of the Sparrow is uh, an Elaine retelling and it, but it's told in verse. Um, so it's like a, a song basically throughout the book. And I'm like, this is really cool. So I just mm-hmm. couldn't get enough of those. And I was a big nerd in high school in the marching band and stuff. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go back to the Harry Potter question. I just want to ask yeah. you. So, um, you know, did your parents take you to those midnight? Um, oh, God, those midnight, you know, like the, the midnight oh, showings. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like the when the book was going to be released and. Yeah. So yeah, I remember that I was allowed to go to one. <laughs> um, one because I was 17 and it was when the seventh book, the last book came out and Borders was still around. Yes. And Borders had this huge party. Um yes. and I was allowed to go because I think it just so happened to be on like a a, a weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> and not on a not on a school night. 
No, but I remember, I remember staying up a little too late because I had a softball tournament the next morning and I was oh, very God. tired. And my dad is like, I swear to God, if you were up till three in the morning reading that book, <laughs> when we have this tournament, he was my coach. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember, I remember going to that. I never went to like the midnight showings of like the movies oh, or anything. Yeah. Um, Cause I, I like, I was always like an early bird going to bed. I always crashed at like nine o'clock. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, they did let me go to that one. So that was, that was a lot of fun. There was like a costume contest yeah. and like the cafe had like butter beer and I couldn't oh. drink it cause it was way too sweet. <laughs> it was good, but I was like, this is too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I remember that it was, it was a lot of fun and that really got me into reading. Yes. Um, uh, so it was, it was fun. And then, um, I'm going to ask like, Besides being a fan of Harry Potter, the books, mm-hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, are you a Star Wars fan? Because I know on the I Nerdist YouTube podcast, because I saw your sh- part, your shirt, and I was kind of going, yeah, that kind of looks a little bit like the Millennium Falcon. So are yeah. you? Yeah, I am a you- huge. Okay, I will tell you this: we had a lightsaber fight at my wedding. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. So my husband is a fight choreographer. And we bought uh, combat-ready lightsabers, uh-huh. so they're lightsabers you can actually fight with. Um, and we did, we did a, we did a fight, and we choreographed it to, um, oh my gosh, the song. Uh, it's it's the song where Obi Wan and Anakin fight. I oh, can't yes. remember the name. The, Everybody know. I, yeah, I. Oh, I can't remember what it is. Right or now. something, or yes. Yeah, something, and um, it was so funny because I remember asking our DJ to play it, and he's like want me to play this song i'm like just do it because we're gonna have a lightsaber fight and he's like <laughs> okay and it was it was it was so fun um but yeah we i've got like at least six lightsabers i love star wars i love star wars my dad got me into star wars nice. um i remember watching it all the time when we were little there's literally like videos and mm-hmm. photographs of me and like the living room at my parents house with star wars on the background so <laughs> <laughs> so nice that is so cool um yeah. i'm sorry kind of we're going a little bit off track and we're going to go back to your That's book charlie but have you ever been to any of the star wars conventions not star wars specifically um but i i do a lot of comic cons and yes. for my 29th birthday my friend b um she works at disney she took me to hollywood studios so we got to see all the star wars stuff in florida so that was that, and I got to hug Chewbacca. So that just you know made my life. <laughs> I, that is, yeah. Um, um, no, I'm gonna hold that question to after we finish <laughs> talking about the book. And I got hopefully I'll remember. That's okay. <laughs> um, because it's gonna be a fun question. All right. So I, um, and then let, let's see. Um, you know um, you know did you you know besides you know I know you said you when you're growing up you, there was borders. Did you, you know, do you remember what was your first or what was your favorite bookstore that you went to? And like, because usually there's like, oh, there's those little hole in the wall, yeah. you know, mom and pop. I, um, I remember there was one bookstore in my hometown and I went to it once, but it went out of business. So the, so the actually, the only bookstore I ever really went to as a kid was Borders because it was the only one around. Yeah. Um, now there's a ton more. Yeah. Um, so uh there's uh the paperback shack in niles which is great i'm friends with the owner lisa and of course pretty good books up in astrobula 
Um, and then another one just opened about 20 minutes south of me. Uh, so indie bookstores are making a comeback and it's absolutely awesome. So I'm very yes. excited. Yes. Yeah, because when you're telling me it's like, yeah, these you know, there's more op- you know, more of the independent bookstores start to open up after mm-hmm. borders close. That, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 I do miss borders though. It was a lot of fun. Barnes and Noble just doesn't have the same atmosphere as borders. Yeah, no, I I, <laughs> I understand. Yes. And um and I'm gonna go off the cuff a little bit because I because I also kind of miss those little small independent bookstores. Because it's kind of like, um, and it kind of sort of relates to um, um, Onwill when he goes in chapter two. I think when he goes into, mm-hmm. I want to see the map making shop. Yeah, that's yeah. the smell, uh-huh. the atmosphere. Because that that's what I miss those those old independent. It's like you walk in there, you know, for avid readers. When you walk into a bookstore, it's you can just it's just the the smell of the paper that's bitter. Yeah. I don't know how to yeah. No, yeah. Pretty good books is like that. Cause it's, it's an old shop. Yes. Um, and it's still like, it still has like the old wood and the, like the ceilings, like, oh gosh, probably almost a hundred years old at this point. Yes. And he's got a ton of like old, old antique books. So mm-hmm. you can just smell it. It smells so good. <laughs> I'm going to ask an off the cuff question. I'm sorry, because I know you're, you know, I know you're an average reader. I know you're a librarian. Have you and your have you and your husband been have you and your family been to Powell's bookstore in Portland? Powell's bookstore. No, no. But that sounds like a trip we need. <laughs> yes. It's um me and my wife went to we we did a trip in to Portland, Seattle area six years ago. Um we started our trip off in Portland. And Powell's bookstore was literally walking distance from our hotel. Powell's bookstore is this is this huge um this one block bookstore, used books, actually a bookstore. It's like yeah. three or four levels. And they sell old, they sell new and used books. So oh, I love it. It's it and it's side by side. Like um, let's say like a Harry Potter book, there, there's a brand new edition, but then they'll mm-hmm. also sell next to it would be a used edition. And so it's yeah, a nice that's... combination. That sounds like the book loft in Columbus, Ohio. I guess it has like 30 rooms. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's like a huge maze. I've been meaning to go because it's about a three hour trip for me and I've been meaning to go. I just never got the chance, but Hmm. that, that sounds awesome. I'd love to do like a bookstore trip around the States. I think that would be really cool. (laughs) Oh my God. But the 30 rooms, it's like uh-huh. not only just to drive up there or they like is it one way three hours one way or is it just a round trip three hours three hours one way okay because because i cannot imagine you driving up there three hours and then all of a sudden it's like five hours you're there in the book, yeah you know <laughs> i could i could probably spend all day at that bookstore and like I, i'd be fine <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm sorry um i'm no, sorry you're I'm, fine. Gonna, I'm gonna start getting back into things um <laughs> um let's see um who, you know, were there any, you know, I, I know you said like um you did the um you got you and your um classmates did the um the like the the King Arthur thing, like more modernized, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where you fell in love with the King Arthur stories. Were there any like high school teachers, favorite high school teachers that inspired you or encouraged you to continue to read and and write? 
Yes, um, Mrs. Dewberry, my 11th grade English teacher, she was the one with the King Arthur project, and my Latin teacher, Mrs. Scarvel. Um, even though I would get in trouble in her class for writing my book instead of paying attention to the Latin. <laughs> um, she very much encouraged me to keep writing and keep going. Um, and same with Mrs. Dewberry. She, you could tell she just loved what she did. She and the other 11th grade English teacher, um, because we the whole 11th grade was early British lit. So mm -hmm. they put on like a kind of medieval fair in the library and they they made us taste like some gross like medieval foods and stuff <laughs> for fun um and had like little stations of like um this is what kind of like how they lived in the medieval era like yes. you know here's how they um crushed herbs and this is some of the food they made and kind of stuff like that so she was a lot of fun she um originally I had wanted to be a teacher and she was one of the teachers that inspired me Mm -hmm. to go that way um but I in college I ended up just doing not education um <laughs> uh so those were my two high school teachers mm -hmm. Mrs. Dewberry and Mrs. Scarvel oh. all right I'm going to say no I hear your dog in the background what's yeah, your dog I'm name? so sorry <laughs> I, have, I, I, have have two, two dogs. Mm -hmm. I have two um the big shepherd mix is Scooby and the little black one is Daenerys so Scooby, the one barking in the background? No, that's Daenerys. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she, it's so funny. She's only 40 pounds, but her bark is much bigger than Scooby's. <laughs> <laughs> so hers, like, echoes more. Tip, my husband just came home, so oh. she hears him in the driveway. <laughs> oh, I think she's probably going, don't tell, don't tell secrets of the second book. <laughs> don't spoil it for the second book. <laughs> just talk about the first book. <laughs> <laughs> all right um we're gonna get into of crowns and legends um now this is a review from jason hamilton of mythbank.com quote the story is a fresh take on the legend of king arthur with a focus on his twin children i found the plot to be engaging and the characters to be well developed overall i would recommend this book to fans of the arthurian legend who are looking for a modern take on this on the classic story i'm going to agree on it um and we'll talk a little bit more um because chelsea you know as i already mentioned that I've, i'm writing to chapter three um literally from the prologue the book just basically sucked me in you know oh, yay. <laughs> just the description of the, uh, I, i'm i think in i think in the prologue um um somebody had is visiting one of the the ab abbeys am i saying that correctly or I mean, yes, I could... it open. Yep, it opens up in the point of view of an abbess. Uh, yeah. She she's a nun who's head of the abbey, and she gets a sinister visitor in the middle of the night. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I just love it because you could, you know, I could feel the, you know, just your description, and it's not de it, What's really good is it's enough detail, so it's like you, you can, I could, you know, see the the rock, you know, the carving rocks on the walls. You know mm -hmm. the wooden stairs that they're walking. You know they're walking on, um, and then you know, and then we go into, and then chapter one opens up with um, Ari, 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 Ari. Ari. Yeah, you can Ari. say Ari. That's Ari. her nickname throughout the book. So Ari, Ari, <laughs> Ari. King Arthur's um, daughter. But but the thing is, but it, um, the first chapter again, it just it's already pulling me in a little bit more. 
you know, I get to learn a little bit more about her mm -hmm. in chapter two, a little bit more about her brother. And like I said, I'm going to, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. Um, I'm, I know I gave like a kind of a quick summary of a quick overview of the book. I'm going to ask you, like, do you want to add anything like, add anything like what the story is more about or anything like that? Or uh, no, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, with, it's hard to give a little bit more away without getting too spoilery. Yes, yes. Um, because so, your dog's going to start barking anytime, right? Yeah, right, 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 right. She's going to start growling at me. Um, yeah, it, it's, their whole journey is just them coming into their own, mm -hmm. um, learning, you know, that how, basically how to be who they are. Yes. Um, and coming, coming into their own, um, are they good enough? Can they do this? They need to yes. stop comparing themselves, kind of. It's just a whole theme of coming into one's own, I guess, mm -hmm. and learning who you are, mm -hmm. um, especially in a world where everybody expects you to be someone else. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yes. I, I wanted to kind of explore those kinds of themes, and I wanted to do it in a way that... I don't want to say it was, is not like other books, um, but I didn't want to do a YA novel. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to figure out who they are as adults. Yes. Um, so like, like YA um, has a theme of like coming in. It does have a theme of like coming into your own and figuring out who you are, but it's slightly different than yes. figuring out who you are as an adult. Yes. Um, so I kind of wanted to to explore that. And I've realized that does kind of confuse people because <laughs> a lot of people think it's it's a YA novel. Um, no, no. But no, no, because um, they are going to get older as the series goes on. Yeah. And I do have adult POVs, um, one of your Merlin, um, yes. the villain. I don't want to give it away. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so so it's hard to categorize it, categorize it as YA um even though they start off as 19 um and a lot of YA books I'm, I'm seeing like older YA they mm -hmm. have like 19 year olds but it's it's different than than like the the typical YA mm -hmm. first of life because they've already had a lot of their firsts like they're adults now so yes yeah um I felt like I could explore more mm -hmm. um having them a little older because I, I I did age them down originally they were like 15 I'm like, uh -huh. this just isn't going to work. It's too limiting. Yeah. So having them about 1920, I'm like, that's a, that's a good age. And yes. it was kind of tricky because some of my friends were like, well, at 15, they're already adults in the sixth century. And I'm like, yeah, but this is fantasy. So, you know, I didn't want to make it too historically accurate or like yeah. historical. At all. Um, so, and I'm like, and also Guinevere is kind of like sheltering them. So, yes, yes. <laughs> so they have to deal with that. Um, so I, I played around with their age a lot until mm -hmm. I found I'm like early twenties is a good starting point. Yes. And the thing is, and it's, and, um, and, you know, um, because with um, Ari, it's, she's, you know, um, in the first chapter, she's, a fierce warrior. She's also a very passionate person too. Mm -hmm. Yes. But kind of yeah. we see her as a fierce warrior, and they're already mm -hmm. talking about. Oh God, I'm going blank. The uh, they they already start to talk about the trials of the knights. If the I trials, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of and, and you know and it's you know it's um 
but like but the things but i understand it's like it, it you know they're a they're a, it's not a ya now and i understand where you and, and correct me if i'm wrong but it, it, they're slowly becoming adults it's almost yeah. like they're, it's kind of like almost like they're out of high school they're going to college right yeah yeah you know, that's, so college, that's, that's that's kind of what i wanted um yes. traditional publishers will say this doesn't exist but in the indie worlds in the self-publishing world there is a genre people are publishing under called new adult mm -hmm. which started out as like college-aged books yeah. and coming into your own as college and then it kind of shoehorned into like romance but that's not what the genre started out to be mm -hmm. um so I've been calling it new adult. It's just there's no way to categorize that on yeah. any platform because they don't recognize it yet. Because they're like, yeah. well, that's not a real thing. Yeah. But it it readers acknowledge it. Um. So it now that my book's out on submission, some people were like, well, it reads too young. It doesn't read old enough to be adult. But you have adult characters, so it can't be YA. So I'm like in this weird gray area that they kind mm -hmm. of don't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would just new it don't exist yes. <laughs> <laughs> like just say it exists <laughs> but but like i say it, it's the it's the it's that because again for me as an older avid reader it's it drew me in because again it's like like, like you said it, you know um ari and Anwil are not 15 years old they're they're in their 20s already they're already they're already growing already and again i guess the trials of the nights is one of those tests that you know they have to that Ari wants to really go and pass. And the other thing too, Anwil is also, he's getting ready to be, get in. I'm not, hopefully I'm not spoiling on anything, but you know, but he's, but Guinevere is preparing for his marriage, for his wedding, his big wedding. Yeah. yeah, that's not a spoiler. I believe it's on the back of the book. He's getting ready to get married and uh -huh. his coronation. So, you know, yep. and you know, big responsibilities. I, yes. And that's what it, and the other thing, <laughs> And the other thing I love about, and also too with uh, Anwil, and correct me if I'm wrong, in chapter two, what I love about his, because already chapter one already to me defines who Ari, Ari sets up who Ari is already to me. Um, and then chapter two, Anwil is already kind of sort of established who he is. You know, even though his father is this great legend, he's very humble. He's very kind and generous. And, mm -hmm. and you can, you know, and that showed where um, um, the bakery shop, you know, that's mm -hmm. what I love because he notices, oh, look, the sign is kind of off here. And I can't remember his friend's name, but, you know, Lohengrin. they, you know, they, 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 they yeah. fixed the sign, mm -hmm. you know, and then the bake, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the female bake, baker comes out and she's like, oh, my God. And, you know. Um, and then he goes, oh, you know, you make those, you know, wonderful um, apple scones, you know, give me a bag. And, it's, you know, instead of doing, I'm King Arthur's son, you give me a bag. You know, mm -hmm. he's like, oh, please give me a bag. And he, he gives her more gold than she expected. Mm -hmm. That's really nice. Mm -hmm. um, also yeah, I wanted, I wanted to, when I was writing him, um, so he has, it's not stated in the book because they don't kind of understand what that is yet, but he's got an anxiety disorder. Okay. Um, and so his anxiety will come out throughout the book and stuff. And I I saw Anwil as someone who is more like his dad than he realizes with the kindness and the humbleness. Like, oh, I'm just going to fix the sign. Yeah. You know, like, and that's what people love about, that's what people loved about Arthur. 
And even though he doesn't see it, everybody mm -hmm. else does. Yes. So. Oh. <laughs> um. The the thing I really love about the twins, I've already kind of mentioned a little bit with um Anwu, but both of them are not spoiled brats. Yeah. They, they could have just, you know, mm -hmm. Ari could have gone, you know, my dad was King Arthur. You're gonna let me win this, you know, this is knight's trial, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's you know, and that's what I love about these characters. They're um they're very relatable. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And I, I I was thinking about it and I'm like, there's no way any of these knights would let them be spoiled like that. Yes. Especially, especially like because Mordred's usually written kind of like a spoiled little brat. Um, so especially after, you know, the whole Mordred debacle, um, I really don't think that any of these characters, at least the way I saw them, the way I have them written, yeah. would let them be spoiled yes. little brats. <laughs> yeah. They would get out of them real quick. So. Mm -hmm. And also, too, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, and it's not in my notes, but but I think also Guinevere is their rock. Is yes. like, you know, she's their rock. Like you said, she was kind of protecting them, but also she was kind of their rock, too. And I, I, and I don't yes. think she would have let them get away with things. No, not at all. And I, oh gosh, I loved writing Guinevere because in a lot of the original texts, she's kind of this, she's almost seen as kind of like a villain almost like she's the you know she cheated on Arthur she did these horrible things yeah. she's shallow um or she doesn't really have a personality uh -huh. and I wanted to I wanted to give that to her and make her a little more complicated um how she would be as a mother um because it, it is stated in a lot of Arthurian legends that you know she wanted a baby she couldn't have a baby with Arthur yes. um they would just never ended up having kids mm -hmm. so I was like well how is she gonna feel about having kids after not being able to for so long I'm like she's gonna be like super overprotective of that <laughs> like, yeah. super overprotective um and uh yeah I mentioned um in chapter three in her opening how she was um she wouldn't let like the nursemaids take the baby she's like no they're mine and they're like but if you're a queen you shouldn't breastfeed and she's like no they're mine go yeah. away <laughs> yeah. so, and I'm like that just makes sense you know so I I loved reading protective mama bear glitter <laughs> because I, when I was because I'm it, it's been a long time since I've seen Excalibur it's been mm -hmm. a while since I've read um some some other of the Arthur legend um comics but, yeah because like yes, because when I was reading chapter three about Guinevere, it's like this is a totally different Guinevere. Yes, and I love yeah, it. I no, did, and I, I love wanted it. a different Guinevere, yeah. I, and I love it, you know, you know. Um let's see. The other thing too is that um also you already mentioned that, you know, the twins um, you know, um literally um actually in the first chapter, I love it where Ari is there's a line that you wrote that, you know, it's almost and it's probably unintentional but almost every day she's reminded about her father mm -hmm. you know? and it's like yeah. and you know she's trying to like break away from that or mm -hmm. grow out I mean still love her she still loves her father but grow yeah. out of the shadow you know yep yeah yeah I mentioned like how there's statues everywhere and yeah. tapestries and like even if no one's talking about him like even like the lanes in the streets are like Excalibur way or whatever yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's just, it's literally, it's like he's everywhere and she, and it's very stifling to them. How They're like, well, how are we even supposed to be our own person when 
he's staring at us in the face no matter where we turn so and then also too what i love about chapter three is that also you touch upon how guinevere um she realizes she misses him Mm -hmm. that was nice i i love that because and i didn't realize that oh my god that's right you know in this book she raised the twins on her own Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I remember um, a couple early uh, readers were like, you know, it's been 20 years. Why is she still so emotional? It's like, well, she was with him for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, she, he's the father of her children. You know, she, of course, she's going to miss that companionship. You know, it never, you know, a loss never kind of goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, even 20 years later, you know, you have every, you know, even if you think you're like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of not over it, but I've dealt with it. You know, uh-huh. you have you can have some moments where it's just, it just kind of hits you in the face and those emotions come back up again. And um, so, you know, just her thinking about they're old, you know, they're adults now and she's remembering them as babies and like, you know, of course she would want Arthur to be there and see them. So it's, it's a very emotional moment for her because she's thinking about all kinds of things and Mm -hmm. what Arthur would have thought and how she's proud of them. Um, So, and I'm like, she's going to have to miss Arthur. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because for Anwell's, you know, moment where he's going to get married, it's only Guinevere that's going to be really, uh, you know, celebrating. And Arthur is not with, mm-hmm. you know, with her. Yeah. Celebrating yeah. this very this special case mm-hmm. of their son. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm going to start moving on. Um, okay. There's one character I want to mention and talk about a little bit. Um, 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 do, 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 do Randy? Lady Duran? Dindrain. Dindrain. I'm sorry, Lady Dindrain. Lady Dindrain, yes. I love her. She's great. She's so fun. Oh. She's so fun. Yes. Go go right ahead. Uh, Yeah, no, I love her too. So she's actually um, canon. Uh, She is Percival's sister. Um, In Arthurian Legends, she actually went with Percival and Boars Mm -hmm. to find the Holy Grail. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I've noticed in a lot of book she's very brash and very like intense and kind of in your face and very sassy and I'm like well I love that um so I kind of saw her as oh gosh who is my inspiration kind of like you know in books how there's always like that sassy nanny kind of or like their sassy governess um or like the the grandma who's like hilariously sassy that was kind of my inspiration Mm -hmm. for her um you know she kind of silences them with a look they're kind of terrified (laughs) um and I I love it like like she's got a heart of gold and she will do anything for you but she's gonna give you that look and you're gonna step in line (laughs) oh because it was great because uh, when they're trying to decorate you know she's like scaring the servants left and right <laughs> yeah, yeah. that banner's too small get it out of here Where is that? <laughs> yeah that, that was a funny scene i liked writing that scene it was fun to see in my head <laughs> <laughs> um now um i'm gonna um so um i'm going to ask you um what inspired you to to write this story you already mentioned that you're, you have the love for the um arthur legend you know, was it just because of that or you've had, you you had this idea for a long time or? I, I think so. Uh, I don't remember the exact spark because it oh. was so long ago. Um, I remember 
one of the options we had for the the King Arthur project in English was we had to write a little fairy tale. Um, and that was when I started writing and when I found out what flash fictions were. Um, and I just I just kept going, I guess. Um, I wrote the violent one in high school as well. Yes. And that was my first like flash fiction that I wrote. Um, but I don't remember exactly what sparked these characters because I've had Anwil, Ari, Mira, and a character Connor that you'll meet in book two. I've had them uh-huh. since high school. They went through names, they went through a lot of name changes. Like Anwil's original name was Will, uh-huh. uh, William. Mira's original name was Emma. Um, but Ari and Connor were always Ari and Connor. Um <laughs> And I just, I don't, I don't know. I might've been, I mean, I was into fan fiction back then. So I might've just Mm -hmm. started creating characters. I I don't know. And people are like, kind of, some people will get like disappointed. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) A lot of writers will be like, where'd you get your inspiration? I don't know. It just kind of came to me, I guess. (laughs) Like, I don't know. (laughs) So it it probably just was just kind of like a snowball effect Uh of just starting out writing whatever came to my mind so yeah and that reminds me i almost forgot this question so how did you come up with the twins names so (laughs) so ari i got from my latin class in high school um we also studied greek myth in my latin class because we talked about how the romans basically took greek mythology and like copy Mm -hmm. and pasted it (laughs) and just changed their names to avoid copyright (laughs) <laughs> um so I remember we were talking about the the myth of Theseus and the Minotaur and Princess Ariadne mm-hmm. and I'm like that is such a really pretty name and I just I fell in love with the with the name I'm like that is just so pretty mm-hmm. and so I just kind of kept that name and I'm like I need to like name a character after mm-hmm. um and on Will's original name was William yes. after Will Turner from Pirates in the Caribbean <laughs> 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 I listen I had a big crush on him in high school because the movie came out when I was in high school. So I was like, oh, I love him. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the name William. Um, I didn't want to keep it. Uh, so I put my story down in college and I picked it back up in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oof, this needs some work. 17-year-old me was oof. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, you know, I feel like it needs to be a little more Welsh because the Arthurian legend comes from Welsh folklore. Uh-huh. And I was like, William and Emma, are, they're so they're so like modern English names. Yeah. Um, I tried like Liam. I'm like, I don't like that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and then I was looking for Welsh names and I saw the name Unwell. And I'm like, oh, OK, you know, maybe he can still be Will. Uh, yeah. um, but Unwell. And then I was like, I don't like him having this nickname of Will when his name's just on Will. I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not going to shorten that. So it just became on Will. And Mira, uh, her original name was Emma. And I was like, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't have any diversity in this book at all. So mm-hmm. I ended up going through and I'm like, and completely changing her character's backstory and um, her name. And I made her the granddaughter of Sir Palamedes, which is um, a character in original Arthurian folklore. Um, mm-hmm. He's from Babylon, I believe. Okay. Um, so he's from the Middle East. And so I wanted, I wanted Camelot to kind of be like Rome. 
a little yeah. bit how like Rome was like this big trading hub and there were so many cultures in Rome. Yes. Um, and so I'm like, I want Camelot to kind of be like that trading hub. Yes. Um, and that's also kind of a friction in the story because the Britons obviously didn't like the Romans because the Romans invaded. Mm-hmm. But one of yours like, but they were good at, they were genius. Okay. We should use their stuff. Mm-hmm to make us better yes. and so she's like you know use and so she there's this talk i can't remember if it's in a deleted scene or something mm-hmm. um but so i and i can't remember who was talking about it but someone was like uh one of the characters who doesn't like the pen dragons uh was like it's so roman i don't like it you know we mm-hmm. got rid of the romans and someone's like yeah but why not use your enemies tactics against them you know yes. it's working for us why not uh-huh. so um there's going to be like that friction that's going to come to play in the later books and stuff and um yeah that was a tangent <laughs> oh, no that's no problem no and the thing is, um, no that's no because when you when you talk, start to talk about Camelot being you wanted it to be a trading hub i'm mm-hmm. not gonna say um how they started to become the trading hub because it's already reviewed in chapter two and chapter three how people I, can I, yeah travel yeah i think it's i think i put it in on will's chapter yeah i think i'm i, I mentioned it yeah how they can yeah travel because of because of the maps yeah how they can travel through dimensions yeah um and that makes sense yeah yeah and 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 britain was very diverse anyways because of Rome and all of and they had trading hubs like um I was talking to um my friend Randy who is actually in the book as Sir Roland mm-hmm. um he's a real character uh-huh. um and he's a librarian and I he was talking about the trading routes between Britain and Egypt um northern Africa because you could just sail right down yeah. um and there was trading routes with the middle east and stuff and mm-hmm. people think and a lot of people assume that like they didn't do that and it's like yeah. well traveling wasn't that bad it just took forever yeah. you know um so it was there were there were more cultures there than people realize especially when rome came in and brought like all their prisoners of war and stuff mm-hmm. you know um <laughs> so uh i wanted to um uh not explore uh showcase that Mm-hmm, yeah. um that you know and i i didn't want to do like i'm like well it's fantasy you know it doesn't have yeah. to be all eurocentric kind of it can be all these cultures and yeah. why not you know so yeah, yeah. yeah it, and it makes it more fun and interesting too because also i can in my head i can see all different kinds of styles <laughs> <laughs> um so um um i mean I, um i know you said you up um you started writing this in 2018 was there was there like an epiphany moment where like oh i gotta do this or was it i have my outline oh hey i remember this outline let's just do it for fun you know yeah yeah so in 2018 um i closed down my princess business i did princess birthday parties um so i closed down the small business and i retired from that and i remember talking to my friend brie um, cause I was like, this is so weird. I've done this for so long. What do I do with myself now? Mm-hmm. And, um, we were just kind of talking and I was like, um, I kind of miss writing. I, I have a book and she's like, you have a book. Tell me about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, it's not finished, but here's the idea. She's like, that sounds really cool. You should start that up again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I should. So I found my old notebooks and like old, an old laptop with my old file on it. 
And she's like, you should send it to me. And so she kind of was my like brainstorm partner um, going back and forth. And she kind of gave me that motivation uh, to restart it. And that's why she is also in the book as Dame Briona. Um, So that's kind of my thank you to her. She gets to be this badass warrior woman Mm -hmm. um, who is very much based on the Greek Amazons. So, uh, um, yeah, she's in it and she was kind of my spark. So I, I have her in the acknowledgements as well um, for getting Mm -hmm. back into writing. And I just fell in love with it all over again. And I'm like, this is what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you've already talked about, you've done some of the, you know, research for your book. I just want to know, like, how much research did you, did you like go through, like, you know, like textbooks of medieval times to see how, clothing styles were or you know you talk to your friend Roland about the trading route yeah you know sort of um so after high school I got into the medieval fair and I started working at rent fairs and so during like rehearsals and stuff like that we would talk about um the history and what they wore and we were never striving to be historically accurate but we used to talk about it all the time um and so I used to watch like movies document I love watching documentaries I Mm -hmm. love documentaries so I watched a lot of documentaries about life um, and like the Wars of the Roses and stuff like that in um, Britain in Rome um, and the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. And so over like that 10 years of just not really research, but I was just into it. So I was like, oh, this yeah, is basically. really fascinating to me. Yeah. So when I started writing in 2018, I kind of already had a little bit of a knowledge base to it. Uh-huh. Um I did do some research. Like I remember I went down a research rabbit hole because I wrote a line. Um, it's not in the book, but someone had said to Mira, thank goodness I've been waiting an hour. Uh-huh. And I'm like, would they tell time like that? Yeah. Would uh-huh. they tell time? So I'm like medieval clocks and obviously, you know, the sundial and stuff. And then I learned that there was a clock powered by water. And I like went into <laughs> one of this like research hole of like all the different kinds of clocks and how they would tell time. And I'm like, I don't need three hours of research. I'm just going to rewrite the line. (laughs) I'm just going to rewrite the line. And originally I did try to make it a little historically accurate, but it was very limiting. Yeah. Um, And it was too limiting. So I'm like, screw it. It's just going to be fantasy. So like glasses exist, different kinds of fabrics exist. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this makes it more fun. Um, You know, I mentioned that Ari has a fork full of beef. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, and King Arthur's always been very fantastical. Um, Even like um, the Morta Arthur and stuff like that, like like the old classic texts, they're supposed to be set in like the sixth, sixth century uh-huh. but they're written as if he exists in like the 14th 15th century with yeah. the plated armor and yes. the jousting tournaments yes. and all this stuff they didn't have plated armor in the sixth century it was uh-huh. like nail if you know leathers so um in my book you'll notice that they wear chainmail more than they wear plated armor okay. but the plated armor is still kind of there um so there's elements of the history um but it's it's more fantastical because it was just for the story I wanted to tell, having it historically accurate was just too limiting. Yeah. So I did I did do research and then I kind of like 
it's like, okay, they didn't really have this, but I'm going to make it, but make it kind of sort of real in the book. Like instead of calling glasses, glasses, I call uh-huh. them spectacles, you know, spectacles yes. or something. Yeah. Um, the books are all handwritten, leather bound. Um, yes. You know, not everyone was literate, but I mentioned that Guinevere built schools and stuff. Um, and in my research, I learned that Ireland in like the sixth century was a hub for learning. So I kind mm-hmm. of incorporated that into my Camelot. And yes. So there was a, there was research that went into it. Um, I researched a lot on Druids. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I did a little more research on like British fairies and folklore specifically mm-hmm. um and, and like welsh folklore um so it, but my research kind of happened over time as i just kind of geeked out about medieval stuff <laughs> no, yeah, no, but thank you for sharing that and, and yes. again and like you said you know this is you know this is you know <clears throat> this is more and correct me if i'm wrong but it's more of a fantasy novel there is there is elements of historical things mm-hmm. and if the reader loves the book and is interested to learn you know what what, what was it really like they, they can yeah. they, they can go on yeah. their own too they can yeah like on. yeah like, like i mentioned I, aqueducts and yeah. aqueducts existed they're uh, pretty sure they had started to build aqueducts in britain uh-huh. somewhere i can't remember but there's so many roman structures left in britain and stuff um and like they had aqueducts in rome that brought running water and i remember in latin class talking about how rome had fast food restaurants like you could pull your cart up to a window and get food <laughs> like i'm like shut up they had a mcdonald's <laughs> You know, and, and my teacher's like, yeah, you could pull your cart up to a window, get food and go on your way. She's <laughs> like, Rome was a little more advanced than you would, than you'd think. Yeah. I'm like, that's cool as heck. So, you know, like people expect like them people back then to be like stupid and stuff. And it's like, that wasn't the case just because they couldn't read and mean anything. And, yeah. you know, they were more advanced than we realized. Like they yes. took care of their teeth, you know, they took care of their health, yeah. you know, like. I, I did watch a few videos about how they did brush their teeth. They would make this paste um, uh-huh. and yes. they had, uh, they had specific branches. I can't remember, uh-huh. um, but it was, it was a softer wood and they would break it up and put that in the paste and kind of scrub their teeth. Um, and, you know, also they didn't have eat sugar as much as we did. So yeah. they didn't uh-huh. have as much cavity. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I learned that. And I also, Oh, I also researched very heavily uh, medieval underwear <laughs> <laughs> because and what's really what's really funny is I've learned that there's things that people don't talk about because they think everybody knows it like what they use for like toilet paper or like yeah. underwear so it's like well everybody uses it why are we going to write that down yeah you know what I mean like if like if you read someone's diary they're not really going to talk about like their day-to-day this is how we dress yeah. this is what we did um so, cause there was like a point where I'm like describing a scene or something and Ari's getting dressed from like a, a dress to uh, um, her armor or something. Yes. Um, I don't think I kept that. And I'm like, what'd they wear? Yeah. And yeah. it's like, and it's funny cause it's like, you have some paintings mm-hmm. and, but like people didn't, that's not what they talked about when they recorded history. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, cause it's just normal mundane everyday things. So people just didn't write that down. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, darn it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of funny uh, to talk about because I remember talking about it to a couple other people um, who like did some medieval research and like costume um, mm-hmm. or clothing 
who uh, were like medieval clothing enthusiasts or something. They're like, yeah, they just they, they just didn't write it down because everybody wore it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like what was the point of writing it down? Just like with the toothpaste and stuff, there's not a lot. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> But the other thing, but it's kind of nice, but it's kind of nice because for you, you know, with all this research, even though it's not in the book, you know, mm-hmm. or you have to like tweak it a little bit, it's, it's, it's in your, it, it it's real to you. And as long as it's real to you, when you're writing yeah. Ari, yeah. you're probably going, okay, you, you don't have to write the details of, okay, Ari gets up in the morning, you know, yeah. she remembers how Roman brushed her, you know, saved her teeth. So she, you know, she yeah. uses this paste and. You know, mm-hmm. and when she's getting ready, she has her, you know, her, you know, her undergarments, like, you know, it's real to you. So, yeah. you know, when you're writing it, right. her day is already set already. And yes. you're already- yeah, it, it, it helps. I actually just visited an old um, uh, class of mine um, in high school. I took a fiction writing shop mm-hmm. and my professor invited me back to talk to oh, his nice. students and one of the girls after class came up to me and she's like, you know, um, I'm kind of embarrassed about how into detail I get with my characters. Like I, you know, I know them down to the last freckle and I've got like a whole notebook and I'm like, if it helps you tell your story, go for it. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, it, it might not all make it into Uh the book, but it can even help you with little elements like like say like you're writing a character and they're having an important conversation and they're just like I don't know organizing and you can mention oh she picked up her toothbrush and you know like little stuff like that or like with Ari you know I could say like um mention something in passing about how she's like oh I gotta change out of my shift into the other kind of under something you know so like if it, it it helps create a more real or realistic but um it makes the world realer yes no, the reader. Oh, yes. <laughs> more real yeah like you have it fleshed out instead of just kind of white room syndrome and the characters just exist with nothing around them yes no but I, but i but i i think it's and correct me if i'm wrong but but for you as long as it's real you know the world because this is your world that you're creating and mm-hmm. you know we're 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 watching this but as long as it's real to you right you know what ari has done already at six o'clock in the morning you know but we're mm-hmm. seeing her at 10 o'clock in the morning where she's already yeah. outside you know um doing her battle to her her sword fighting her sword practice already yeah. it's real to you as long as that's real to you mm-hmm. and it's conveyed through it's going to be real to us too yeah definitely but yeah um I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to continue on. This is a fun question because I know that um, you and your husband worked at Renaissance fairs. You're an mm-hmm. announcer at Joust shows. Now, did you, now for the book, did you and your husband or you and your friends, did you guys do any role playing to help you with the story or do any like sword fighting? Like, okay, Ari's going to be fighting this, you know, one bad guy, so a foot soldier. I'm mm-hmm. having problems trying to figure out how the battle goes. Hey, Tim, my husband, help me with this scene. <laughs> Did um, you guys do anything? Um, some of the stuff is based on stuff that has already happened, like in shows. Okay. Um, so a lot of a lot of this book was also inspired. Um, so my first two years uh on 
cast at Ren Fair, we did King Arthur. And so that's how I met a lot of my close, that's how I met Tim when Tim was Percival. And so, <laughs> so a lot of my nights are based on how my friends portrayed them. Like my Gawain is based on my friend, Will, uh-huh. um, like his interpretation of him. And there's some like inside jokes that are in there that we did, <laughs> you know, on the lanes <laughs> as, as the street cast and stuff. Um, but I actually had Tim write the fight scenes. <laughs> okay, that's fine. So um, he actually, there is a big fight scene at the wedding um, uh-huh. where Ari fights in the tournament. And Tim wrote that whole scene. Um, and of course, I kind of rewrote it to make it into like my voice and how yes. we have very different writing styles. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he laid down the groundwork and then I just kind of revised it. Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple other fight scenes in the in in the end of the book that he wrote. Um, he wrote the the joust scene, mm-hmm. um, and it's very <laughs> reminiscent of a Renaissance fair joust scene because mm-hmm. um, it's a lot more theatrical. Because mm-hmm. um, real jousts can be boring. It's kind of like watching golf almost, even though there's <laughs> it, it. Well, actually, it's more like baseball. Um, cause like, I mean, you're running at each other yeah. on horses, but the lances don't break as often as it's they not... do. You don't get, you don't get unhorsed as often. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, but this needs to be exciting. It needs to be like a knight's tale. Yeah. So, and that's, that's, that's more or less what like Renaissance fair jousts are mm-hmm. that have, they have that, that energy They have to be a little more theatrical. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, Lord Roland is based off my friend Randy's character. Mm-hmm. Um, we met him doing the Michigan Renaissance Fair, and he was Lord Roland, the Count of Bath, I think. I think, um, but he was always the Queen's champion, mm-hmm. um, and he was always very over the top, um, uh, chivalrous, and flowery language, and like kind of like big and over the top. And I'm like, well, that has to be in my book because mm-hmm. this is yes. brilliant. Um, so, uh, and he also, uh, Randy also MCs jousts. Mm-hmm. So we incorporated that into my Lord Roland character as well. So, mm-hmm. and the whole introduction of the Knights is basically how we introduce the Knights, Jim's, Tim's joust company. So <laughs> I hope they didn't mind. No, they don't mind. They, so. <laughs> I just, I think it's so cool that you and your husband, you know, even though he, you know, he did the, he kind of like, um, you know, um, help with the the fight scenes in the book. It's, it's. I just think it's so cool that you and your husband both worked on this book. That's really yeah, nice. yeah. It, it's it's amazing that. Um, I mean, he's so supportive, and it's awesome to have a supportive partner. But it's also awesome that he is that he's a writer mm-hmm. and can help me um, in a lot of ways that a lot of like partners can't. Yeah. Um, if they're not writers or anything like that. So uh, he writes more poetry uh-huh. um, and kind of like monologue kind of um, works, kind of almost like like diary kind of works. Uh-huh. Um, so it was really, it was, and it was especially nice um, to be able to have armor and weapons and know what they smell like and feel yes. like. Um, yes. like. I remember, I remember talking to, um, a couple of my other writer friends and I'm like it's so funny how in romance novels people are like the the woman like 
jumps on the man, even though he's in full armor. I'm like, do you know how much that would hurt? <laughs> like, like that hurts. Do not touch me. Like I've hugged my husband in armor and I, there's, I'm poked and prodded. Like there's sharp point bits. I'm like, it's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not. And they smell. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's so funny. Cause it's like after a joust show, Tim will be like, hug me. And I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, you, you, he's, I mean, they're sweaty and then they smell like horse. And, yeah. you know, sometimes they smell like horse poop. And, you know, like, <laughs> so it's, it's not fun. And it's so funny, you know, after doing that. I mean, obviously, like, we've never been in real combat or I anything. Know, but, yeah. um, but it's so funny how they're like, oh, this is so romantic. Look at him in his arm. I'm like, do you know how bad he probably smelled in that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can tell you exactly how that smells. There's quite a few smells going on there. <laughs> and, so, and so like I think I incorporated that into something in the book I think I'm I can't remember um but yeah and you can smell the leather and the oils um because you had to keep the armor from rusting so you'd have to use oils yes um same with leather oils and uh-huh. stuff um so there's a lot of smells I mean now they use like WD-40 <laughs> or um <laughs> You know, some or some will use like um, gun oil. Yeah. Um. So I think I think Tim says it works better than like the WD forties, but um, it's a smell. <laughs> What's the so, other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that, but I think it's great that you know you and your husband you know worked at these fairs because, again, it's not only just the research, literally watching documentaries or reading books, but. For, you know, like you said, for two years, you guys did like sort of a King Arthur legend, you know, yeah. uh, story. Or role play, basically. Role yeah. play, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, you guys know, it's like, you know, you know, it's like, you know, if, if they're, you know, after joust, you know, after doing these jousting, you, you know, the smell is bad. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how worse it was back then? So you have an idea of how it is. And it's not, you're yeah. not romantic. And it, again, you're not romanticizing. It's like, yeah. you know, like you said, in the romance books where, you know, a woman jumps on a, a you know, on a, or a knight <laughs> yeah. in armor. It's not like, oh, yes, you know, this not is fun. very passionate. <laughs> and this is, you know, no, it's like, because I'm sure the knight go out, you know. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I am I am very grateful to have worked at Renaissance Fair, even though they're not accurate at all. But I, you get a feel, a, you kind of get a feel a little bit like in the heavy outfits and the dresses like even though I had like tank tops and bike shorts on um you know we still had like the heavy brocade and the linen and um you know I learned that linen is much cooler to wear Mm -hmm. on a hot day than the brocade even though it's prettier um you know so you kind of get a feel for that and like especially like walking around in the armor how heavy it is how your gait changes yeah um and people forget, or they don't forget, but they don't realize that armor is actually supposed to be very movable mm-hmm. um, because you had to move around in it. So it's not like you're like stuck like this. It yeah. was actually pretty. And if it didn't, it didn't fit right. So um, it, 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 I'm very, very grateful that I kind of lived, you know, air quotes <laughs> yeah, yeah. for a time. Um, so yeah, role playing definitely, definitely helps, especially because you can get a feel for it even if you're just walking around your house say in a medieval dress you can feel the way it moves around you how you would like navigate through 
mm-hmm. something in a dress or in mm-hmm. armor. Yeah. Um, even ha- and having like swords or something, you can feel for how heavy it is. Yes. Um, what it smells like, feels mm-hmm. like. Um, so I, I think there was a couple times where I had asked him some questions. Um, I think I asked him about the opening fight with Ari and Briona mm-hmm. and the the moves that mm-hmm. uh she was trying to teach, which are very not accurate at all. Mm-hmm. They're like um modern martial arts or something. Um a lot of a lot of Brianna's fighting style is is modeled after from Avengers because of her. Which is not accurate at all. But um I was like, how would they do this? Show I'm like, how would they do this? And he would talk me through or kind of show me. Yes. Um, and he and uh, he's a police officer. So he's sh- he shown me like some defense moves and stuff as well. Yeah. So I've kind of got a feel to how that kind of would feel like you doing it. Like I haven't mm-hmm. actually had to do it to anybody, but you can kind of get a feel how your body would have to move. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm very grateful to have to have have this sort of unique experience that yes. I can bring them Yes. Um, off an off the cuff fun question. Yeah. How many swords do you guys? Um, twenty. <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I can text him. No, 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 no. You don't have to text him. But <laughs> we we've, we've got a lot. Um, because like I said, he's a fight choreographer and a and, and a jouster so we've got all kinds like we've got a gladius short sword long sword we have a couple axes a couple spears daggers um broadswords i have to ask uh, you one question have you guys yeah. decided have you do you guys have like a sort of an excalibur sword i do it's oh from my- amazon <laughs> oh, that's nice I don't think it's here, but yeah i uh i have uh it's tim's and it's got like this cool um dragon on the on the hilt yes. that it says Excalibur on it and I remember I'm like where did you get where did you get this and he's like it's from Amazon <laughs> <laughs> it came with like a cool like metal mm-hmm. or wooden placard and you're supposed to hang it on your wall and it's very sharp um so we can't use it for anything and it's very oh, God. <laughs> yeah all of all of our swords except that one are not sharp because yeah. they're for stage combat so they're, oh, yeah. they're blunted um yes. <laughs> but and actually, I learned that swords were not all sharp. Only like the tip was sharp. Only like a couple inches. Yeah. Because yeah. um, people also use them kind of like baseball bats. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, especially like if you're wearing armor, uh-huh. you know, um, it was easier to smack them on the head with a heavier blunted sword and just use the pointy end to stab and then the rest of it to just smash them on the head. So, you know. Because it's one way to disorient them, or just yeah, yeah. knock them unconscious mm-hmm. if you're if it's hard enough. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going to start moving on because I I, I no, know. you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I know. But um, now this is like the process questions. Like so, mm-hmm. um, it, um, I know you decided to do self publishing. Um, mm-hmm. um, was that like an was that like an early on decision when you started to write when either writing or when you completed the book? That you want to go, yeah, I want to self-publish. Uh, that was a later decision. Um, when I when I started writing this book again, I didn't really think about publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I I forced myself not to. I'm like, no, I need to get the book done. I can worry about that later. Um, and I so when I finished a dra- um, like my second draft or something, I was like, okay, what do I want to do with this? Yes. Um, 
And then I kind of did a pros and cons list. And the thing that really pushed me towards self-publishing is that traditional publishing is very, very, very slow. Uh Um, So first you have to find an agent. You have to query for a literary agent and that who, and that can take anywhere from, I mean, you could get it in a week or it could be two years. Yeah. Um, And then you get the agent and then they look over your manuscript and they give you feedback and mm-hmm. um, sometimes you might have to do edits mm-hmm. on your manuscripts and stuff. And then they send it off to submission and who knows how long that will take for a publishing yes. company to buy it. So I'm like, I don't want to wait another five, 10 years yes. to get my book out. Cause even when a publisher buys it, it's not going to be out for another few years. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause then they have a team that will go through a bunch of edits and then they have to uh-huh. do the cover design. So, you know, publishing takes a while. Uh-huh. Um, and they're always working on a bunch of different projects at one time. So uh-huh. I'm like, I don't want to wait another who, you know, five, six, seven years. Yes. Um, if I self publish, I can get it out now, Yeah, you know, however long I want to take. So that's what really put me towards self publishing. And I, like I said, I did princess parties. So I have the experience of owning a small business because when you uh-huh. self-publish, it's basically owning a, a small business. Um, oh, your okay. book is the product that you sell. Um, so I was like, that just seems like the smarter choice for uh-huh. me. And then of course, now it's out on submission, which I find ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very ironic. So, but I, if I wouldn't have had a lot of like foreign publishers reach out and requests for translations, I would mm-hmm. have kept it self-published, oh. but I can't afford like the, it's very expensive to get a book translated. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't reach some of the countries that like publishers can. Uh-huh. Um, like I know I had a lot of people in Mexico say it was not available for them. Um, wow. Yeah. Which is very sad. Cause I'm like, we're la- we're like landlocked together. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, a couple of people in Canada said it was even difficult. Um, wow. Yeah, like I had some people from Poland reach out. They're like, "How can we get it? I'd love to read it, but it doesn't look available in my country." And I'm like, "Oh, I feel so bad." So you know, because it blew up like this, I would love to have it available for the people who emailed me back in December. Yes. But I just can't do that because I I published with Ingram Spark well they're not a publisher they're a distribution company okay and they they have I think they have like a UK office and distribution center but they only reach so much because they're they're technically a small business Mm -hmm. so you know um with how big it got it would you know if I can get a publisher's hands on it they have a much wider reach than I could ever Mm -hmm. ever have so I have to say Chelsea, I mean, don't, don't, I, what I'm going to say is don't take this the wrong way because I think, oh my God, it's, I'm, I'm trying to use the right phrase. The, for you to do this book, you know, is incredible because, you know, not only your love, you know, the spark that started back in, if I remember correctly, in the 11th grade, you mm-hmm. writing, you know, um, you having your own small business doing, you know, the, the, you know, the princess for the, you know, like birthday parties and celebrations, yeah. um, the, you know, your love for, um, the Arthur legend and, you know, looking at all these documentaries, um, um, participating in Renaissance, you know, basically co- cosplaying Renaissance fears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, all this, it's incredible. I just realized it's incredible how this is all helping you get this book out on your yeah. own. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, you own your own small business. 
you want this book out now it's like doing your own small you just got to do it you know you you would you're going to yep. find ways it's just yep. yeah yeah you know it, it's it's cool I've got some really cool unique experiences that I'm very grateful for yeah, yeah it's been fun all right. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I just want to take a couple fine. more. I'm um, sorry. A couple more questions about the book, and then we're going to start moving mm -hmm. on. Um, yeah. how did it feel to see your name on this book? Oh, it was a dream come true. Um, when I got my first proof copy in back, I think like June or July, I cried. <laughs> like I was actually at work and it, I got the notification that it was delivered, and I'm like, I'm going to go take my break right now. And thankfully we get an hour break at work. So I rushed home. I don't live that far from work. I live less than 10 miles. So I rushed home. Tim was napping and I like burst through the door and I'm like, oh. and Tim's like, what is happening? And so I'm like opening it and I'm just seeing it in the box. And it's like a real physical book in my hand with the final um, cover image and everything on it. And like everything's in place in the manuscript inside. And I just, I was like, a crying mess. <laughs> it was just, I mean, that is the dream come true for any writer who wants to publish a book is holding the book in your hand. You know, um, thank you for sharing that. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, do you want to give shout outs to people? I mean, you're already done throughout, you know, throughout yeah. the interview, but, you know, do you want to, you know, any more shout outs? Like, did you have any, um, um, like, did, did, I'm just asking, did you have an editor on this book or, you know? Yes, her name is also Chelsea. <laughs> uh -huh. she, um, she she works... Okay, go ahead, continue, sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. Uh, she works for Enchanted Inc. Publishing. Uh -huh. um, the owner is Natalia Lee, and she has a whole team of editors. And um, Chelsea ended up being my editor, and she was so fun and so sweet. I loved her comments in my manuscript. Um mm -hmm. And my cover designer was Stephanie from Seventh Star Art. Mm -hmm. uh, um, there's just so many people now. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> and, and, and listeners, if if you if you know you and please pick up a copy of this book. It's it's in her. It's in the back page in the acknowledgments. I do want to mention one name and the catchphrase. You oh, yeah. gave an acknowledgement to Candy <laughs> Waffle my friend, Hole. My best friend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Waffles home. Uh, so my best friend, Candy, she has been my best friend since we were like 19. Um, and we play D&D. &D. And there is this movie that we watched a long time ago called The Gamers Dorkness Rising. And it's about a group of friends who play D&D. &D. And there's one scene in the movie where it's like two or three in the morning and it's after they're done with their D&D &D session at night. And a couple of the characters like hop on, I think like a moped or something. And <laughs> we're like, we're going to go to Waffle House and get waffles. And they go, Waffles Ho! And it just, we just thought that was so funny. <laughs> so that became like an inside joke for us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Candy's my, like my best, best friend. Yeah. Oh I, I had to put, I had to put that in there for <laughs> I'm I'm just I I don't know I'm just off the cuff question and you know <laughs> I, I I I don't know I'm just gonna ask um you know um do you once in a while still play D and I do yeah we oh, actually nice. have a campaign going we have a campaign going right now based off of the game Bloodborne um okay. so that's really cool and it's, I'm playing with Candy again 
Um, and I actually got my husband to play. Um, he never liked, he never liked D&D, but he loves Bloodborne. So yeah, <laughs> so we have a lot of fun. We actually, um, in the basement, uh, when we bought the house, uh, they had made, the previous owners had made like a, a bar downstairs that's yeah. kind of like very old west saloon. And it's got like the batwing doors. Uh-huh. So we, we cleaned it up and bought bar stools and stuff. So it looks kind of like, you know, an old west saloon down there. And that's where we play. And it's it's really cool. So we'll get like candles, go go all out. <laughs> and kind of so have like nice. an immersive experience. <laughs> that is so nice. It's so uh, fun. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. All right. Um, so Chelsea, I'm I'm slowly, I'm slowly wrapping things up. <laughs> yeah. Um, now I know you know of Crowns and Legends is part one mm-hmm. of a trilogy. When yeah. can we expect to see the second book come out? That's a rough estimation. If you don't my, have my my hope would be December of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my hope. I don't know. It's turning out to be a lot longer than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if not December, I'm hoping early next year. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. Now, um, now I know you know this is your first book, but what was the most fun? or exciting thing that you love writing this book or working on this book? Uh, Oh gosh. I think getting the most fun thing about working on this book, I think was getting early feedback from beta readers and stuff and them falling in love with and seeing them fall in love with the characters, Um, especially Anne Will. People seem to really relate to him. Mm -hmm. Um, My one friend calls him her little cinnamon roll. Um, uh, so that, that's a lot of fun and throwing in like the fun little snippets and stuff like the melon lady. She's fun. Mm-hmm. She's gonna, she's gonna be in all the books cause she's just hilarious and she's not going to do anything except sell her melons, you know, like <laughs> just little things like that make me happy. Like just fun little inside jokes with the characters and stuff. And, um, they're you know uh sassing back and forth with each other and yes. stuff like mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. that that's always fun and of course the fight scenes are so much fun to write <laughs> they're so <laughs> exhilarating <laughs> um let's see now this is now i'm getting back to the question your love of star wars you already have mm-hmm. your first book out now let's just say two months from now someone from disney company calls you go hey you know we read your book you have any star wars thing you have you have a story ready for them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my God. I don't know. I think I might pass out. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to relate to the Skywalkers. It doesn't have yeah. to be the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. It could be going, hey, you know, or they could go, we, you know, do you have a storyline for the old republic? <laughs> um yeah, I don't I don't know Star Wars that well, I think, uh-huh. to write a story about it. Tim probably does, but I'm more of a casual like I'm not I, I'm not a casual fan because I have a Leia cosplay and stuff like that, but I don't think I would I don't think I know enough of the story to like write a story about it. Okay, let me <laughs> add more fun to the question. Okay, so Disney called you and you oh, <laughs> let me get back to you. Hang yeah. up the phone. You turn to Tim. Yeah, <laughs> Tim, yeah. Tim, Tim ghostwrite a... this. Ghostwrite this for oh, me. Oh no, you guys can write it together. Both of you guys can write it yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. 
You're gonna turn to yeah, him. And go, yeah. Hey. <laughs> you know? I mean, if Disney, I mean, if Disney called and offered me money, I mean, you can't really say no to the mouse. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need me to do? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait. Let me call you back in two hours. Let me look for this outline that I. Yeah, I, I have. Right, right. <laughs> I just gotta look for it. Come on, yeah. Tim. <laughs> All right. Um. I, now this part, I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious, and if you don't mind, you know, may I ask if you would like to come back on the podcast to promote the other books in this trilogy? Because I would like to see. Yeah. How oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very yeah. much. Okay, I'm slowly wrapping things up. Um, I know you used um, because I've visit your website again. It's chelseabanning.com. Um, yep. You have a YouTube channel on there. You want to talk briefly about that? Yeah, I kind of, yeah. Um, for a while, I really put a lot of focus into it, um, but it's it's hard to keep up with. Uh, I But I, I try to do some like long form writing vlogs and kind of a look into the writing process and talk about like what goes into it. Um, I go into a, some depth. Um, I know I have quite a few videos out there where I talk about uh, how I wrote a scene but there's a plot hole or something and I have to change it and how I had to like move chapters around and all that kind of stuff so um uh I go into a lot more detail on the YouTube videos um I used to do like a video like every week or every two weeks or something but wow. I just I don't have time for that oh, right yeah. now yeah. <laughs> you know it's it's hard it's hard to you know edit and all that stuff so I still try, like, I'm trying to film all, all of these, like, interviews and, like, book signings and stuff, just so, like, I, even if I have something, because I like watching videos of stuff like that, yeah. and I, like, it's kind of like a video diary, almost, yeah. so I'm trying to keep up with that and at least have some memories for me to look back on. Yes, because in case you, no, but I understand, because in case you miss, so, oh, yeah, that's right, I, I remember that person, they did stop by, you know, and. yeah. Or it's like yeah, one of those, it's, oh, it's also, yeah, it's also cool to look back at the old videos and kind of see where my story was and how it changed. Um, because mm -hmm. it, it went through a lot mm -hmm. of changes, a lot of changes. Now, you got to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, because I I have a question about your TikTok. Uh, are you are you up to date on your TikToks? I, I can't remember. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, what's your TikToks? Is it basically the same thing as the YouTube or sort of? Um, but they're shorter videos. I don't go into a lot of depth. Um, I tried sometimes to keep up with like the trends on TikTok and stuff. And it the algorithm is so different than any social media site and it changes constantly. Like every couple of months, the algorithm is different. So it it's very frustrating. Um, I love what TikTok has done for reading. Um, mm -hmm. It really boosted reading sales. And I love how it I really love how it connected people, especially during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and some really awesome things happened because of TikTok. Like I saw um, this restaurant that was struggling and some someone from TikTok who happened to have a big following was like, hey, this restaurant's in my town. I'm going to go try it. Oh, my God, they're amazing. And now they've gotten steady sales. You know, um, musicians have been found. You know, I remember when the the sea shanty got really popular mm -hmm. and the one guy that kind of started it ended up talking to 
Queen, like the band Queen, you know, like it's so like there's really cool things that have happened, but like it's also frustrating how it seems to kind of like not really be very helpful for like content creators and small businesses and stuff. Cause like you can't say buy my book, yeah, say buy my book and the algorithm catches that, it doesn't show anyone your video. Wow. So it, it yeah, yeah. And and like and it's it's also kind of fascinating how I'm gonna go on a little tangent. It's a little fascinating how TikTok has already changed language uh-huh. in just the two years since it kind of got popular. So like TikTok has words it looks out for, like you can't say kill, you can't say dead, you uh-huh. can't say suicide. Uh-huh. So like people will say he unalived himself, you know, and like you have to like oh, yeah. find different words to say yeah. something. Uh-huh. And it, it's from a like a linguistic point of view, it's fascinating how yes. what an impact it it has had on language yeah. in the past couple of years. So I've got like a love hate relationship with TikTok. Uh-huh. <laughs> with TikTok, Facebook and Twitter are easy to navigate because you know the algorithm; it doesn't change. Um, but with TikTok, the algorithm changes all of the time. Uh-huh. So and everybody's always talking about it. So, but I I like it. I don't, I don't know why, like, I still like it. I like watching other yeah. people's videos of writers and I like the funny videos that pop up and how people kind of came together on it through the pandemic. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> All right. Um, absolutely wrapping. I got about three more questions, three, four more questions. What was your favorite either comic convention or renaissance moment, whether as a fan or as a creator? And if you have a couple, don't just go for it. Don't worry. Okay. So my favorite Comic-Con moment was probably getting to talk to Anthony Mackie for like 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, so it was back in 2017 and Wizard World Cleveland um, so I, I had merged with a superhero like party company at this point, and they had reached out to the company because um, Wizard World at that point was dying and they yes. were trying to like bring it back. Um, so they hired um, the company I was working with to do like a superhero show for the kids and yeah. kind of have a booth and have like coloring sheets and like kind of have be like children's entertainment. Yeah. And it was I was there on a Sunday and I was in the superhero show as Black Widow. We, it was our, it was the junior superhero Academy. And so like there was obstacles and then you had to race Spider-Man and like, um, and I was Black Widow. So I was helping the kids through. Well, I had just badly injured my knee. So I had this like metal brace on my knee. Like I couldn't really bend it and I was limping and it was easy to hide under my skirt as Cinderella, but not so much as Black Widow. So, and it was very obvious that I was like limping and stuff. And on Sunday, I was Black Widow. There wasn't a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the middle of the convention floor was like all the celebrities. And I'm like, go say, hey, because there's nobody here. And so I would walk up to the Wizard World employees. Like, can I say hi? Like, I don't care. Sweet. They're like, as long as you don't take a picture, because you have to pay for that. And I'm like, yeah, sweet. So I met like a ton of them that day. And I remember Anthony Mackie seeing me and he's like, okay, you, you have to tell me what you did. So we ended up talking for like 30 minutes um, about all kinds of stuff. And <laughs> I remember talking about, 
I ended up talking to him about doing like princess parties and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt I felt so silly, but like this little girl who had watched the Junior Superhero Academy saw me. Yeah. And like and I was and like and so for the acad the show, I was in character. So I, you know, I was like in character and he's kind of looking at me and I'm like, did I pass? He's like, You get black widow. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And he talked about like hospital visits and stuff. And I had done um, charity visits and stuff before too. And so we were kind of talking about how cool it is that the kids kind of, they think you're real and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so I got to talk with him for like 30 minutes. And then it was funny because um, he's so easy to talk to and he'll like tease and like kind of be sassy because it's Anthony. Yeah. And I remember, I, I remember Dean Kane was coming and I wanted to meet him because I remember yeah. watching Lo Superman and Lois. Yeah. Um, or Lois and Clark. Yeah. Superman and Lois is the new one. Um, and I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta dress in my Supergirl costume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being in his line and this lady in front of me had like such a sad story. Um, her husband had passed away like in the nineties, but they, their show was Lois and Clark. And she's yeah. like, we used to, and she was telling Dean Kane about how she used to watch it yeah. in the hospital with him. So I, you know, everybody who's listening is like a crying mess. Yeah. You know, and he was very sweet with her. And so when I left Dean Dean's line, I had to pass Anthony Mackie and he's like, You didn't cry for me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, You're not Superman. So <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. So that was a lot of fun talking with Anthony Mackie. Um, I'll always remember that. And I did end up getting a selfie with him. I had to pay like forty dollars, but I was like, nobody's gonna believe me so yeah. um and then my favorite renaissance fair moment um so i started to get known for doing my tinkerbell mm -hmm. at renaissance fairs and i remember this girl came one year she had heard that tinkerbell was there and she wanted to meet her but this little girl was um blind and she could she could see certain lighting i guess and like color I can't remember how she explained it to me, but she liked the Tinkerbell movies because she could see the green kind of like um, flittering around. So she could mm -hmm. actually like almost see Tinkerbell. Um, and she had heard that at the Renaissance Fair that they have Tinkerbell. And so she wanted to come and meet me and she came over. She She's like, oh my gosh, Tinkerbell. And I heard her. Um, and I was like, hi, that's me, you know, and I'm in character and she comes over, she gives me a hug and she starts feeling like uh -huh. my dress and my hair and my wings. You know, I had the wig and uh -huh. the dress and everything. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you are real. Like you, your dress does feel like leaves. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm crying. And what really resonated with me is her grandma had pulled me aside later and she's like, she heard you. Um, from far away and she's like I can hear Tinkerbell talk and that really resonated with me because that meant like I was able to emulate the actor's voice well enough that this girl who couldn't see recognized me and I will always love that moment that was that's probably my favorite like renaissance fair moment ever <laughs> I know I know I know and her name was chosen so like how like goodness <laughs> Like she's probably like 15 or so now, and I don't want to about that. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, so thank thank you very much for sharing that. <laughs> That's yeah, really insane.
that is. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Those were good moments. Yes. <laughs> um, three more questions. Okay. Your, um, what's your next book signing for either late March or April? Um, I have, I think it's next week, March 5th, whatever. Yeah, it's next week. Make sure week. I'm giving you the right information. Um, it's at Fireside Books in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, mm -hmm. March 5th. And then in April, on April 15th, I will be at the Grand Rapids Comic Con in Michigan. Oh, okay. So I, I think they're doing like a debut author day that day oh, or something. Fun. Yeah. So they're I think they're gonna have other authors there. So I will be there on the 15th. Um and uh I think that's mostly what I've got scheduled so far. I don't I try not to schedule too far out. So. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um have you and your family ever been to England? No, but it's on my bucket list. Ah. I would love, I would love to hit like all the King Arthur sites oh and also God. like see the Globe Theater. Mm -hmm. Love to see the Globe Theater. Um, and then I would also like to see all the like old Roman like structures that are like still around. I think that would be really cool. Two more questions. Yeah. All right. Have you and your family ever been to Hawaii? No. And I want to go so bad. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. So fun, fun story about mm -hmm. Hawaii. So in early high school, in middle school and high school, my friends were really into like anime and stuff and they were all trying to learn Japanese and I was not into anime as yeah. much. Um, but I was like, well, I want to learn a language. And I thought the Hawaiian language was so cool. So I tried to learn Hawaiian and I couldn't because I was already taking Spanish and mm -hmm. I couldn't do two at a time. But I remember for like a year, I tried to learn Hawaiian. So wow. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was so pretty mm -hmm. and so cool. Yes. And I loved, I love the culture and I just, I, I was so fascinated by it. And then I never ended up picking, picking any, you know, Duolingo or anything. Oh, no, no, no. But I tried, I tried for a while because I felt left out with everybody trying to learn Japanese. <laughs> and I was like, well, I want to learn the language. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> um any closing words to our listeners oh gosh um keep reading keep imagining keep writing <laughs> chelsea you know i just want to wish you continued success with your book again it's of um, listeners it's of crown and legends you know and mahalo you know thank you in hawaiian thank you very yes. much for your time yes Thank you for giving me this opportunity to interview. I mean, Chelsea, thank you very much. You thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the whole schedule switch. You know, being understanding with the whole schedule and stuff. Oh, like, no, it's been so crazy. No, that's no, that's no, no. It's just, it's just. Thank you very much for, just thank you very much. You know, for um, um, honoring my interview request. Don't yeah. worry about the schedule because I rather, I rather, you know, I rather have us at a, you know, at a night, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> now, listeners, if you are an av avid reader like me, please check out of Crowns and Legends. It is now available um, through Chelsea's website, um, ChelseaBanning.com. She has links to Amazon, um, links to um, pretty good books, and also eBooks. And you can mm -hmm. also order through your local bookstore or bar or borrow a copy from your lo local library. Um, yep. As you heard throughout this interview, you know, I love this book, you know, from the prologue, um, it just basically sucks me in. Uh, Ari and Anwil, you know, um, their characters I can relate to. Um, 
And, you know, like I said, it, for some, yeah, I, I don't know how to describe, but it, <laughs> it draws me in. I'm and so I'm glad to the, hear that. It's already I'm already on the third chapter. Um, and I can't wait to see where it where, where it goes from here. You know, um, so yeah, so if you guys get a chance, you know, please check out a copy, you know, of Crowns and Legend. I want to thank Drew, the coach of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listener. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Bye. The good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit have been doing two episodes a week um, for quite some time now. And it's all thanks to, first of all, Jason. And second of all, our patrons who allow us to add the space on our server Broadcast more, store more, share more with you listeners. I'm envious of those of you who have unlimited storage and media server capabilities. We we pay for ours here at at the C4FAP. It ain't cheap. We thank you so much for those of you who go to patreon.com slash comics fun profit and contribute at any level to say thanks, to say I want to be a part of your Slack channel conversations. I want to get exclusives. I want to get early access. I want to get ad-free access. I want to get swag. I want to get some free stuff. Whatever your reasoning is, we appreciate it at any level because it does make a difference. So from the bottom of Kyle and I and Jason's heart, thank you for contributing 